of business Driving late at night Psycho 78 12 o'clock Don't be late I said all Greetings and salutations My name is Justin Lore And I'm Liam O'Donnell And you are listening to episode 43 of Horror Business I'm glad you looked that up Because I had no idea <laughs> That's right Horror Business Your favorite ASMR podcast Where we'll be talking about very spooky things um, do you know anyone who has, I mean, okay, I was about to say has ASMR, like it's a fucking disease. I know a few people who claim they have it or like it or whatever. It's not a disease. It's not a disorder. You don't have ASMR. You experience ASMR. Is that right? I watched enough videos of ASMR to know that if you enjoy those videos, there is something you think there's deeply something, um, unset, <laughs> wrong there's with There's something you. wrong with you. Okay. Yeah, um, but yeah, uh, enough about ASMR and weirdness. There's, um, there's never enough about ASMR. There's never enough, I guess. Uh, this episode, we are going to be talking about two films that are directed by women. We're being woke, bae. <laughs> I was definitely going to be like, yo, let's just do these two episodes and not even talk about that they were directed by women. Okay. But we don't have to do that. Okay. We are doing 1982's The Slumber Party Massacre and 1987's Blood Diner. So for me, I've been wanting to do Blood Diner for a while, and I was trying to figure out how I could trick you into watching Blood Diner. Yeah, you you prey upon my uh, male sensibilities. (laughs) I was like, I just don't think Justin wants to watch Blood Diner. I don't think it's on his priority list. And then I was like, ooh, 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 but if we combine it with Slumber Party Massacre, that could be like... Films directed by women. I, I know. I'll trick him. I'll, I'll I'll use his sympathy for the feminist calls against him, <laughs> um, but not against him because I think Blood Diner is a great, great movie. movie. These are both great movies, and I was honestly pleasantly surprised by both of them. I mean, I think it is. Don't get me wrong. I, I said like I, I didn't wasn't going to talk about it, but uh, in my original plan here, but I don't think that's because it's a bad thing. I think um, <clears throat> in our current sort of conversation. Sometimes people can be very apologetic about the idea that, oh, well, I don't want to watch these things just because they were directed by women, as if that's like a problem. But yeah. the reality is, within horror, there just aren't that many things directed by women. So no, for but- me, I, I want to I experience that, and I want to be a part of balancing that out a little bit. Um, and if people haven't checked out these movies, well, to be fair, there there are a number of of, of great horror films that aren't even they're not even particularly deep cuts that were directed by women. You could you could check yeah, out, yeah. Um, Near Dark, Near Dark, uh, Pet Cemetery, American yeah. Psycho. Sure, but I but I think that ratio wise, at, at least the horror, the female horror directors I know, which is not a lot, but there's a few I've met at various festivals and things. They feel like it's still hard to get work. And we covered this a little bit in our episode yes. where we did the three short films by African-American women. But I think uh, in my experience so far, at least, uh, for any woman in horror, it feels the experience is that it's maybe not as, but still very difficult as it was uh, when these films were made. Especially we watched the um, making of, part of the making of on the Blood Diner Blu-ray, and they talked to uh, the director and uh jackie kong yes and she talked about how difficult it was and the expectations of her as a woman and how hard she had to fight and it literally sounded like things that friends of mine who've tried to make movies have talked to me about yeah, I mean, so <clears throat> it's hard enough already i think to be a female horror fan yeah 
you know, because you you have the constant questioning of your dedication to the genre. Oh yeah, which is stupid. You got creeps, you know. Yep. You, you got you got creepers always looking for an in. Yep, always um, looking for some way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, and I think that for us, at least for me, I won't speak for Justin per se, but for me, um, I think one of the reasons that one of the excuses people have for not giving outsider voices their chance is this feeling of like, well, I don't want to focus on that. I just want to focus on the art. Um, and I think we're far enough into these conversations to realize that that's just not real because the films made by women or um, if we expanded this out, the other things, you know, queer horror films, horror films made by people of color or whatever, these films don't get the same attention. And oftentimes they're just as good. And the few times when they have limitations, those limitations are budget, yeah. which is also related to the opportunities you're given. So I think I'm comfortable and I hope the audience is comfortable saying like, we're going to focus on a couple of movies directed by women because sometimes people don't. You yeah, know? no, and, this and, is and it's easy to say like, well, that's just a coincidence, but I don't think it is. I think sometimes people avoid movies directed by women or uh it, or the other way around, the movies directed by women didn't get the support. You know, again, you, you had some great examples of big movies that were directed by women, but uh sometimes those movies don't get the same opportunities, the same budgets. Case in point, Pet Cemetery too, not given the same opportunity as Pet Cemetery. Also directed by a woman. Maybe the same woman, but that's besides the point. <laughs> um, do you like Pet Cemetery too? No. No one likes Pet Cemetery yeah, too. Clancy Brown doesn't like Pet Cemetery too. <laughs> but yep. is it wait, but is that the one with the Ramon song? No, that's that's Pet Cemetery. Has the Ramon that's, song. That's 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 the one that ends literally like it ends with the Rachel Creed I I saw I'm going to talk about it shortly because I actually got a chance to see it at the drive-in this weekend, but it's I forgot that it goes right from like Dale Midkiff goes to hug um, Denise Crosby. And she goes, darling, and then fucking pulls the knife and it cuts the black and you hear him screaming and then it, boom, the fucking Ramones start playing. So awesome. Do you remember the video for that? No. They played it on MTV, the video for that song. And I remember just being like, I remember being very young and just getting into punk and hanging out with a bunch of people in someone's like apartment. Like their parents weren't home. It was like, right, get out of the apartment. There's no parents. Listen to the fucking Ramones. Or they, have, they have cable. They have MTV. We were watching MTV and they were playing that video. And I remember being like, yeah. Does even- the video involve like Dee Dee being buried and then like Fred Gwynn guest stars? He's like, it's that damn rud that uses up the Ramones. They're always crossing the rud. It's, it's, it's Judd Crandall from Pet Cemetery. I fucking hate you. It's the damn rud. Oh, so uh, speaking of. You going to the drive-in? Was there something you wanted to? Um, well, first we talk should about? say we should discuss where this podcast is coming from. Well, I mean, it's coming from my basement. It's coming from but, your basement. But I know what you mean, which is uh, who our official sponsor is. Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations, the premier screen printing company of the Lehigh Valley. Whether you need a koozie, a t-shirt, a sleeveless hoodie, a cod piece, a Dr. Seuss hat, a thong. Short shorts, a windbreaker, a long tee. Whatever you need, they can print on. Don't order. I don't want to print. I don't want to be around. I don't want to fold your fucking codpiece. Don't. Or thong. <laughs> don't, don't order that. For Liam's sake, don't order that. But if perchance you need to order some sort of t-shirt for your band or your podcast or your cloud-watching society, 
called cloud called sick cloud game that's that's your cloud watching society name sick sick cloud, cloud game, game. ripping cotton jesus you can go there so you mean a vape watching society uh, sure that too jesus. i mean i was gonna say like oh those are cumulonimbus and nimbostratus clouds oh, oh, oh. this podcast has gone down the tubes it's not you go to lehigh valley apparel creations with your idea for design, and they will help you along. They will come up with a design. Hey, you want this? We're drawing here. I got this idea. If you want to use a cumulonimbus cloud, which is the cloud, it's a big cloud, they'll put that on there for you. If you want to have a cloud like reaching down to high-five someone, totally cool. They'll do that too. They'll help you through their creative process, and they will bring your vision to fucking glorious life. So go check out LVAC at www.xlvacx.com. That is www.xlvacx.com. Chris Reject is... Not straight edge. He may or may not have drank a beer in my car on the way to the drive-in on Friday. <laughs> I'm going to go with he did. He didn't. He didn't actually, but, you know, maybe he did. <laughs> um, okay. So, hey, Justin. Hey, Liam. What's up? Have you done anything horror-related lately? That's really cool. Actually, yeah, I did. Um, <laughs> you and I watched a little movie called Demon Wind. Oh, yeah. So, we don't... Here's the thing, y'all. Uh, I know it sounds like that, um, you know, this sort of chemistry, you would think we hang out all the time. Like unfortunately. Justin's just at my house all the time. Unfortunately, we don't. No, I mean, we both have jobs and, you know, capitalism is evil. And um, I have a baby, which is not evil. She's actually really cute. Um, <clears throat> and so it's hard to hang out. But we were like, let's hang out and watch a thing, not for the podcast. And, and we boy, were, did we watch a thing. Oh, man. Have you all seen this thing, Demon Wind? Feel free to tweet at us. If you've seen the demon, please do because it's getting it, it, it got a little bit of attention like last week, which is weird. I want to say it was like Fangoria or Bloody Disgusting or some horror website I, I frequent every day where they were literally like the top 10 movies where the cover was so much cooler than the movie. Oh, and really? that was like number four because it was like a lenticular cover. Yeah. So it was just like they were like this cover. If you've seen this cover, you've seen the best thing about this movie. <laughs> I mean, I think that that's probably true. I I don't know. I mean, okay. So, what did you what did you think of Demon Wind? I thought it was a fine addition to the La Casa film uh, series. <laughs> Is it a La Casa film? It should be. You see what I'm saying? Like, if someone told you like this was produced in Italy as like La Casa Seven, would you be surprised? Yes, I would, um, because there's... Oh, no, there is basically a house. You're right, this could have been a La Casa yeah. movie. Okay, uh, here's the thing. Uh, I'm not a huge... I don't know every La Casa movie. I've seen Witch Hunt or Witch something. We saw Ghost House. That's a La Casa movie, isn't and then, it? That's the other one. I've seen two. E Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2. <laughs> no, I mean, I've seen two movies that were produced gotcha. as La Casa. You never saw, like, Buen, Buen Omega or whatever, the, the Joe D'Amato film? No. Oh. I've, I haven't seen, and I haven't seen the one with David Hasselhoff, I don't think. Mm, okay. So, the, the in other words, I find those, oh, no, you're right, I have seen the Joe D'Amato one. I'm wrong. So I've seen three La Casa films. I was about to say I've never seen that one, but I actually did see it. It's fucking insane. Yeah, okay. of course. So... And the one I'm thinking of is, which, I think maybe it's Witching. I don't fucking know. Here's the thing. I find all of those movies utterly incoherent. Yeah, they don't make any sense. I didn't find Demon Wind utterly incoherent. I found it batshit crazy, but but coherently batshit crazy. Like, I, I was following the thread. It was just weird thread, boring in places, and in other places, completely like, oh, what's going on? I'm into it. 
So I don't know. I it's here's here's my thing I will say about um Demon Wind. Not as entertaining as I want it to be. I'm okay with the fact that it's uh it doesn't make a lot of sense. There's not a lot of internal logic to what's going on. And it's pretty clear that they just have this one set and they're just like, we just got to keep people here. We yeah. can't film anywhere else. This is all we can do. We just, we're limited in what's possible. Like, I, I get all of that. Um, but sections of it are extremely unentertaining. And that's the bum out for me because everything else about this movie, if it had kept my attention the whole time, even though it's written terribly some of the effects are awful um the uh, acting is like bleh. yeah if it had been entertaining the whole time i would have been in it was okay i mean <laughs> it was it was, i mean I, I think my favorite part was where the guy turns into a dove right that was pretty cool <laughs> it made no sense i mean i liked that the uh wait i'm trying to remember now the 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 get out of here you kids guy was actually like yeah the, yeah the cult leader or whatever it is. That was a cool sense. twist. I liked the two dudes that uh, were not, but clearly should have been lovers. Yeah. The magician and the, yeah, yeah, the yeah, other yeah, guy. Yeah. And, um, though they were, though I felt like the way they died was kind of unceremonious in some yeah. ways, but nobody died ceremoniously in this movie. No, it was all kind of like afterthought. Yeah. Um, and it is weird that the, the house goes on for, okay. There's lots of things that were not great about the movie, but, Parts of it I really liked enough that I wish the rest... You know what I mean? Like It wasn't like... I'm trying to think of what's something we've watched lately that we hated. I guess both the Oids movies weren't really into. <laughs> this movie was definitely better than the Oids. It, that's what I'm saying. It's better... <clears throat> There's almost nothing to recommend in Seminoid. Like, I had no. some positive things to say, but that was just like in a, a feeling of respect. Yes. I, I, if you put it on, it would be like... Whereas I feel like... I'm at, let's say I'm at a horror marathon and it's anytime before two in the morning <laughs> and fucking Demon Wind comes up. We're watching Demon Wind. Yeah. We're, we're here. We're, we're all it's together. Great. We're hanging out. Yeah. The the most I might do is get a sandwich at a certain point in the movie because it does lull a little bit. Oh, yeah. The and ending when it takes four hours yeah. when the guy becomes bald to fight a demon. <laughs> yeah. Well, he looks like he becomes one of the aliens from Alien Nation. That's what I was thinking. Or like Jeffrey Combs at the end of From Beyond. No. Yes, that's exact. It actually looks exactly like the makeup of Jeffrey Combs yeah. from Beyond. The point is, he just grows a bigger brain, and that I guess is the angel power in him. Is that what you shit. took away from it? I don't. I didn't take anything away from it. It didn't make any sense. That whole it just it again. If it unravels, I'm okay with that. Yeah. If I'm entertained, but there were parts that were just so not. They weren't engaging. It, it started to be not engaging. Yeah. I mean, it definitely didn't know what it was doing. Uh, wh- the other thing that I did was I saw, I went to the Mahoning Drive-In Zombie Fest. Yeah. Um, I really wanted to go. I was hoping it was going to be some hard business hang time as well. And I thought the lineup was really strong. Um, but I have a baby and uh, she didn't go to sleep the night before, which made hanging out late Friday night. Not very viable. Uh, and then I didn't go Saturday, which you went Saturday, too. Cause yes, it was, I did. Uh, another thing I did, which I'll talk about in a sec. But um, how were... You didn't go Sunday, though, right, to see No, it's... it's um, I almost did because we watched Slumber Party Massacre on Sunday. And I wanted to go on Sunday because they were playing uh, the Grim Reaper at the end at, like, 2 in the morning. And I was like, ah, no, like... 
I've got obligations on Sunday night. That's like my hangout time with my friends. And then those plans got canceled because Fear the Walking Dead wasn't on. And then I was like, oh, maybe I'll just drive up and see the Grim Reaper. That'd be cool. I didn't, though, just because it was like I didn't want to get home till I didn't want to get home at like five in the morning. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I actually don't know the Grim Reaper. Oh, it's another Joe D'Amato film, uh, Anthropophagus. I believe it's is it the, uh, the title. Oh yes, I do. It's know got. Um, I've seen. I think I've you've seen probably it. seen the artwork with yeah, the guy yeah. like ripping his own intestines. No, yeah, out. I think I don't know if I've seen it or not though. It's. I mean, it's it's okay. Um. So tell me about Friday night. It was fun. We watched um, Reanimator and Return of the Living Dead too, and I realized that not a lot of people like Return of the Living Dead too. It's got a zero percent rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, people. Uh, a lot of people I know hate it and then love three. I don't understand that. Have you seen Return of the Living Dead three? Uh, no, actually. We should watch that sometime. It's not a bad movie, but it's not better than Return of the Living, Return of the Living Dead two. Return- I literally, I had someone just yesterday was tweeting about how much they fucking love Reanimator, a Reanimator, Return of the Living Dead three, and hate Return of the Living Dead two. Return of the Living Dead 3, henceforth referred to as part 3 because I'm not saying the whole fucking title, yeah. is not bad. But it, it, they try to take – like part 2 doesn't take itself seriously at all. Sure. It understands the ridiculousness of the premise and it leans into it. But isn't it cornball? I mean I think the leaning in is why people don't like it. Well, fuck them. <laughs> all right. Well. No, I mean it, it's – it's it, it, it's it, the, the acting is like bad but it's like – I don't know. It's a cool movie. It has like the zombies are goofy and it's um Let's just do a we should I mean we never have this much time to hang out. But what I want to do is a triple feature. Like watch all three. I'd be okay with that. That'd be cool. We got to set aside that much time. But I think that'd be fun to do because I I've, I've watched Return of the Living Dead a million times. Yeah. Like so many times. And when I got when the Blu-ray came out from Shout Scream Factory, yeah. I guess. Uh I made Sue's watch it with me. On the what's the day that it it occurs on? Uh, May. I don't know. We watched it basically May on the day seventeenth. Yeah, 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 we watched it like on the day. I was like, it's the, the day. It yeah. happens on this day, so we're gonna watch it. So I made her watch it with me, and she really enjoyed it. I mean, she didn't love it the way that I love it, but she definitely was like, okay, that wasn't a total waste of my time. Yeah, so like, hey, cool, 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 cool. But um, but I haven't seen two. I don't think since high school, and I've never seen three. Uh, part three, uh, again, it, it, when I was a little kid, there was a certain scene in part three that like scared the crap out of me. It was that it was like, like it was really scary. And then like when I was home on winter break from college one year, like my sister and I watched it and I was like, Oh God, I was like, Chelsea, when I was a little kid, like this part used to scare me so bad. And then we watched it and I was just like, this is not at all scary. <laughs> this is actually like almost laughable. And I'm ashamed of myself that at any point I, uh, was afraid of this. Bro, horror movies scare you. Everything scares me. <laughs> uh, but no, it was fun. Um, Reanimator is great as always. You didn't um, stay for the third film. We left halfway through the second part too because it, it was like uh, it was sure. like midnight. Yeah, uh, you know, I had to work the next day, and uh, July third is when Return of the Living Dead takes place. Oh yeah, on my birthday. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. why we watched it. I was, yeah. It was on my birthday, and I was like, "Hey, we're gonna watch this for my birthday." Um. No, but it was the it, it it was neat. Um, Alexis and Chris had never seen Reanimator. Holy fuck! I know. What? So, and Chris, I know you listen to this podcast. What the fuck is wrong with you? Have you never seen Reanimator? So uh, that was great seeing their and reaction. It's a good print too, right? It's like oh, it was a, a good looking print. Yeah. print. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it was it was cool. Like the, they they had um, and then uh, the second night was uh, 
Pet Cemetery and Savini's Night of the Living Dead, and then Tales from the Crypt at uh, afterwards. It was the third film that I didn't stay around for. I left right after Night of the Living Dead. But the, of course, they had like it's the Mahoning Drive-in, so they had like like tombstone. They had like a little pet cemetery made up, yeah, yeah, yeah. with actual names like Smucky the Cat and Biffer the Dog and um, Hannah and all this like cool stuff. And then uh, they had like barrels with like trioxin like you know stenciled on it and then on the sure. inside they had like tables f- filled with like the little reagent needles yeah like glowing needles so now i've taken a hard stance on this what's that on the pet cemetery what do you mean i don't want to be buried there why not i don't want to live my life again fair enough one die was sufficient <laughs> <laughs> sorry it's the i just had to reference the remote song again it's I fine love that song we should actually have that song on here. I don't want to be buried in the pet cemetery. It's, uh, here's the thing. It's one of the few. I don't actually. I know a lot of people do. I don't actually like mid-tempo Ramon songs. I'm more of like a give me the fastest they got. And that's one of the few mid-tempo Ramon songs where I'm like, no, this is pretty good. Yeah, this you don't has like got the, a groove to it. You don't like... Um, somebody, somebody, somebody put something in my drink. No. Good, because it's a terrible song. Yeah. Well, and like a lot of mid tempo Ramon songs sound like um sound like rejected misfits songs. Like it's a song that someone wrote for the misfits. Gotcha. But the misfits didn't want it, so then the Ramones took it. They're like, oh and I'm like, no. Yeah. Like if I'm gonna listen to the Ramones, I wanna hear That's the that's that's you that's your impression of the Ramones. I mean, no. Because he's got a different voice than that. But you know what I mean? Like, yeah. faster, you know? I also realized the other day that uh, because watching these movies, that each movie that I saw there, I met at least two people who were involved in that movie. It's a good feeling. Oh, yeah, that's true. Very good feeling. Love horror movies. <laughs> what did you do? Honestly, other than watch Demon Woman with you, I didn't do much else horror related. I did, uh, we did Cinepunk sponsored a screening uh, at the Frank Banco Alehouse of um king boxer which is not a horror movie but it is a martial arts movie so you know genre whatever yeah 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 that was cool a few people came out for that uh we sold some t-shirts we made t-shirts of uh a design that justin miller uh haunt love did for us i'm hoping he's gonna print posters and sell them on a site but if you want a t-shirt we made t-shirts of them you can get them on the cinepunk site well and this is a reminder too and i would love if you and other people would hold me accountable for this uh <laughs> in that not watching horror because i can just i can watch what i can watch and it's not often horror but um uh my letterbox i've fallen behind oh, in the letterbox you motherfucker well it is it's so useful for this like i'm like sitting here being like oh i haven't watched any horror and then Maybe I did actually. And yeah, I just totally forgot because um, I don't get sleep anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know, I try to watch a chunk of stuff every. You know, I used to watch so many movies because I was reviewing them. Yeah, that um, now it feels like I don't watch any movies at all. But then when I was keeping Letterboxd, I'd be like, "Oh, actually, I watched two movies this week. Oh, okay, cool." You know, like trying to keep up with stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So, but. As far as I know, I haven't watched anything particularly horror-related. So, sorry, y'all. But I'm glad we watched Demon Win. I was really hoping to go to Zombie Fest. I mean, that's really what it boils down to is I wish I had gone to Zombie Fest. But um, I'm hoping to see some other horror movies soon. Well, uh, this weekend, if you want, 
is John Carpenter Fest up at Mahoning. Yeah, that's. I was going to say, I was hoping we would go to that. Yeah, I'm, I'll go. Yeah, okay, we'll go. They're showing the first night. It's going to be good. The second night's going to be good, too. <laughs> I just want you to know that. <laughs> is that. You're saying that because you don't actually know what they're showing? No, no, I do know. I'm sad that they're not showing... Because you know how they always like tack the one on the end that like no one really wants to see? Yeah. I'm sad because I'm like this, it's like the first night, the last movie they're, they're showing is like Dark Star. So that's like... You know the wheat from the chat, the, the chaff. Like, there's no time to separate the men from the boys. You know, yeah. Only true fans are going to stick around for Dark Star, right? Second night, the last movie they're showing, yeah, fucking vampires. So I am going to stay till four in the morning to watch John Carpenter's Vampires. <laughs> oh yeah. No, I'm not going to stay to watch vampires. I love vampires. First of all, you're wrong. Uh, second of all. I, I would still stay to watch it, maybe, but that's so late to be it there. It is. It is, yeah. Uh, and what's before Vampires? Christine in, a, in the Mouth of Madness. Yeah, yeah. And the first night is this. Halloween and Prince of Darkness. <sighs> Man, I'm going to have to talk to my wife. Yeah. Honey, i got to be gone all weekend long. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I also want to point out this is... Uh, is there anything else that you saw? Nope, that's um, it. Fox released their trailer for The Passage, the TV series. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it wasn't really... It, it's funny because I was like watching it, and they, they, they weren't really leaning too hard into the horror element of it, which I think is either a huge mistake or it's actually kind of smart. Um, there's a little bit of... You know, they, they obviously reveal that, like, you know, there's like a, there are like vampires involved, but um, it looked good. Uh, I don't know. I, I, it's, it's based on a series of novels that I read, you know, a few years back. By a guy named Justin Cronin. It's very good. Um, if you like The Stand or uh, I Am Legend or anything like that, or The Strain for a more like recent uh, vampire book, you'll like The Passage. I can I can highly recommend it. So I'm excited about the uh, the TV series starring Zach from Saved by the Bell. I don't know his real name. Yeah, I don't know that guy's real name either. But he's like the main he's like the main dude in it. It's Is so, that really true? Yeah, no, it's it, because it's like we were watching it. Um, uh, myself in front of the podcast, Lionel Ward, were watching it, and uh, we were like, "Oh, that's fucking Zach from Saved by the Bell." But he's like an FBI agent, so he's like totally yeah. serious. He's like telling us to kidnap this child. There's some things, there's orders that we have to break. And his superior's like, "You're gonna do what I tell you to do." God damn it! He's like, "There's a difference between following orders and doing the right thing, Chief." I mean, it's obviously <laughs> not that like Tango and Cashy, but it's still great. <laughs> like, I hope that's his voice too. He's like, "God damn it!" Oh my gosh! Yeah. Um. But that's it for stuff we've seen recently. Um, I also do want to do a quick thank you to our Patreon subscribers. Oh, sure, yeah. Appreciate that very much. If you want to go to www.cinepunks.com, you can find out how to subscribe to our Patreon and all the cool shit. Um, there is a, a subscriber who shall remain unnamed. Sure. I will not. They wish to remain anonymous. I'm assuming they do. Sure. But I can tell you that this past weekend... When I was like, hey, you're a Patreon subscriber for Cinepunks and Horror Business. And they were like, oh, yeah. And I was like, can you get you some free swag? Hang on a second. Got them some some pins and some stickers. So that's what you get. You get free shit. Free shit. Yeah. Who doesn't like free shit? Assholes. Yes. <laughs> so we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about 1982's Grandmother of Slasher Films. I don't know if it's a grandmother. 
this is the most parodied slasher film of all time. Yeah, you think so? Dude, of course. It's got the, the premise is like, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. All right. The Slumber Party Massacre. We'll be right back. The basketball team is planning a party. A slumber party to bare their souls. All the girls are coming, except Mary and Linda. And they won't be missed. The party begins at 8 o'clock. It's a slumber party for old time's sake. Love it too. You think I'm getting better? Be on the lookout for an uninvited guest. Please, please. When the pizza arrives, things really start jumping. Some people may have to leave early. But others will hang around and hang around. Eat the dead guy's pizza. I feel better already. Really, I do. But for those who stay, there'll be plenty of surprises. <laughs> and non-stop action. For sure, no one's getting any sleep the night of the Slumber Party Massacre. Close your eyes for a second and sleep forever. And we are back to talk about 1982's The Slumber Party Massacre. <laughs> what the fuck was that? That's me intoning the spirits. It's like not even a movie you would intone spirits. No, for. not at all. It's also, I'd like to thank our new sponsors over Die Dr. Pepper. It's the sweet one. <laughs> um, definitely not sponsors, unfortunately. This is just buzz marketing. That's good, though. Yeah, it is. I, can't, I can barely t- tell I'm drinking a diet soda. Released oh. on November 12th, 1982, written by Rita Mae Brown, directed by Amy Jones, starring Michelle Michaels, who was in Death Wish 4 and New Year's Evil as The Punker. Robin Still, who was in Sorority Slimeball, Sorority Slimeball Bolorama, directed by the one and only David Dakota. Michael Valella, who was in Nothing Else. David DeLiso, Andrea, Andre Honore, and Jennifer Myers. It was uh, made for $250,000, and it grossed in the U.S. $3,589,000. That's pretty good. Pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, you know the plot of this movie. You know, we were saying before the break that this is sort of like the grandmother of of horror films. There's like uh, an escaped killer, and there's a slumber party, and he kills all of them. That's the plot of this movie. Basically. Basically. Um, Let's talk about... um, Let's talk about why you you picked this movie. As opposed to Sorority House Massacre or whatever. Well, I mean, I actually don't uh, uh, 
side note, I don't know much about Sorority House Massacre. Other than that, I now own it on Blu-ray, so we might eventually watch that one. But yeah. <clears throat> for me, I know Slumber Party Massacre gets checked a lot as kind of um, kind of a, a, a parody, a, almost like a feminist parody of uh, exploitation slasher films. And really, I think, at least in its original sort of format was conceived that way conceived as like a um a a mocking of the male gaze a way to sort of criticize the ways that these movies function in our culture but still to do it with like kind of a fun sort of perspective you know yeah but i also have been told that it isn't that or to put it another way, that um, it was trying to be this thing, um, but that it also was very much kind of uh, uh, the thing. It was also the thing it was mocking. So I couldn't think of an artistic way to sort of explain what I meant by that. Okay. Um, until I thought of a little band called I Hate You. All right. I'm cur- I'm fascinated by where this is going, so go on. Because I don't think anyone knows anymore what I Hate You really was meant to be. Okay. And for those not in the know, I Hate You was a Philadelphia straight edge band back in the mid-90s who were, we'll just say, a touch over the top with their antics. Well, so they had a shirt that said, Straight Edge Eagles Bloodshed. Which is fucking true. (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay, so you're seeing what... In other words, I think that what was what is in the movie is not exactly what was conceived by the writer and director or at least that's what it seems from the things i've read online okay however i do think it still is pretty much a movie that forces you to think about i mean it's a movie that through a sort of goofiness and a sort of uh playfulness kind of pokes fun at slasher films absolutely and it does it in ways I wasn't expecting. Like, uh, obviously, I knew the killer has a drill. Yeah. But the number of times it's so clearly about the phallus. Oh, yeah. And it forces you to think, like, isn't it always about the phallus? <laughs> isn't it always about that? Or, you know, there's a pivotal scene towards the beginning where a girl is, uh, a young woman is trying to get away from him, and um, she's injured, and uh, she's, you know, basically in a locker room. Yeah. Trying to hide. And she's discovered because she's bleeding, and he, like, finds her blood, and then there's a shot of his phallic drill, and just the the layers of stuff like that going on. And at the very end, they defeat him by cutting by 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 cutting off his drill. De-tipping his drill. Yeah, they, 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 it it is the castration of the male tool that allows him to be weakened enough. Yo, and even more so, then they cut off his hand, too? It's like... Uh, let's just completely yeah every symbol we could have for his agency we're going to destroy yeah. right now um but yeah i mean in other words i guess i picked it because i wanted to pick something a that i'd never seen which i had never seen this before and b um if we were going to do an episode with two female directors why not do at least one of them someone who seemed to be addressing her identity to some extent. And again, I don't think either one of us are experts on this matter in the sense of like, 
I don't know for sure how closely what's because the, the you know there's people have talked about studio meddling and her being forced to take some things out or add some things in. Um, and I think if you wanted to, you could definitely watch the surface level of this film. Oh yeah, it's Added. it's enjoyable. With with I mean, if you would just put this on and weren't like, oh, this is like directed by like a woman, and there might be something a little bit deeper going on here, I would still enjoy this movie. But you're someone who doesn't necessarily enjoy slasher movies. That's what I'm saying. Is like that's how good this movie was. Is like yeah, it, I, th- I I mean, I think it fulfills. I think it still could fulfill for you what you want from a slasher movie, except for the point where it's a. V- a lot of slasher movies, even though they have lots of young women in them to be killed, oftentimes don't feel very female centric. You know, no. A lot of these slasher movies, they merely present the women as fodder, as objects to be defiled. I mean, to be fair, if you, uh, I, I should cite though in, um, oh, what is that book called? The you know chainsaws. Uh, uh, chainsaws and what is it like murder chainsaws and women or something like that yeah yeah well there's a <laughs> some of you know and you're yelling it at me right now but i forget the name of the book but it's an academic text and this theorist makes a pretty strong claim based upon actual interviews with uh fans of horror that the trope that we usually have which is that male fantasies are about these women being killed and that's what they get in these movies and it's all about misogyny uh this one makes a pretty convincing case that it's a uh, men women and chainsaws gender in the modern horror film yeah so she makes a pretty convincing case from actual interviews that like most of the men who watch these movies um don't do what we kind of assume they do when we think about this theoretically but it doesn't make sense so a lot of times the way people talk about horror movies they assume you identify with the killer and yet in these interviews, all of these men don't. They actually identify with the final girl. Yeah. And in fact, when I say identify, I don't mean in like a heroic sense. Like they emotionally identify. And in fact, she kind of makes the argument that it seemed that for a number of these young boys, this was how they kind of could understand a little bit of what it might mean to be a, a victim of masculinity in the world. Now, we all know plenty of fucked up horror hounds who don't fit this mold yeah but this was based on actual studies and interviews with fans i mean this was more in the 80s than now but actual fans of these movies and it was not what we expected it was it was actually an exercise in vulnerability and 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 empathy more than it was a fucking kill that girl i mean yeah there, there are enough there there are there to be fair there are uh there are certainly people out there who are just like um you know they watch horror movies you get that fucking whore yeah killer killer like you know but then there's also people um i i I think it does as any good horror film should do or as any good film should any work of art um i think if you if you if you can identify with the final girl i think that's the word i like i don't know if i would necessarily trust someone who was identifying with like a like a like the murderer you know what I mean? Like, but the way that popular critics were writing about these movies when they were coming out was yeah. that these boys are identifying with the killer and they're having fun with the killer. Which, again, I get why you might feel that way, especially with like the the a character like Freddy. You know what I mean? Yeah, but like, I think that's that might say something more about the critics than it does anything else. That's possible too. Well, regardless, I bring all that up just to say I don't want to caricature these other movies. However, in this movie, the the male characters are side characters 
doofuses, basically. They're fucking idiots. <laughs> like, like not interesting or identifiable. All of the good writing and character development is of the female characters. It literally... And the killer is, like, one of my favorite killers in that there's no backstory. Yeah. He's not romanticized at all. He's just an everyman. He's effective, but he's not tough. No. You know what I mean? He's good at killing, but we see a lot of times of him just being a dude. Like, one of the... For me, Staples, as someone who actually spent a lot of time watching slasher movies back in the day, you don't see the killers doing things very often. Yeah, yeah. You know, that they just, part of the magic of them is they just show up. And then you find out later, like, oh, they tucked the body here, they did a thing there. We see our man laboring, like, I'm going to carry this body over here. And, oh, oh, I'm short of body. Where did this other body go? And, oh, I got to close this door now. You never <laughs> see him. You never see a, one of these killer guys like, I got to close this thing. And I got to, okay. Oh, no, he's getting away. I got to go over here. You know what I mean? Like, you see my man putting in some work. One of my, one of the coolest shots of this movie is when the, um, the one male character, um, he's, they're like, what? Well, there's these, like, two guys, these two dudes. Who were like party or animals. Dinguses. They're dinguses. Well, well, yeah, they're like... What's so funny about the, the these two male characters is that they're the only sort of like uh, men we really see. There's there's one shot of a real tough guy who drops off um, one of our... Basically, our one of our final girls. Yeah, 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 yeah. She gets dropped off at her house after school by this fucking motorcycle driving... Real. My man doesn't get a name in the movie. And he just is there to look hot and drive away. Success. Never, se- never says a word. Yeah. Then the other the other two dudes are these like fucking virgin ass nerds who and like have no sex appeal whatsoever. There's the virgin ass nerds, the tough guy who drops them off, the dickhead boyfriend who gets mm. killed in the garage. No, that's true. After, and we hate the boyfriend. After pitifully begging for sex. <laughs> Everything about the movie is like this relationship is a bad thing. Yes. And then and the this neighbor dude sucks. Yeah. And then there's like the old neighbor who's like, you girls are smoking herbs. <laughs> I won't say anything as long as you don't say anything. Wink. Like it's, he's got a Hawaiian, he's disgusting. He's got like a Hawaiian shirt on. They find him hunting snails in the dead of night with a hammer. Who does that? I really do think that, um, there was something off about that. I don't know if that was intentional or not. Yeah, dig up but, his fucking, dig up me, his garage. For me, I'm like, man, that neighbor, I don't f- fucking trust that neighbor. No, I don't. But it's not, he's not a red herring, though. We know who the killer is. Because we see Trump. him, we, yeah. you see him very early on. And uh, what I was saying before was one of the scenes I really liked was when one of these doofuses um, is about to die. Because at one point, they're like, all right. One of you is going to run out the back door, and the other one of you is going to run out the front door. And you're both going to take off because he can't come after both of you at once. Right. And he does. But there's a scene where the one dude is like – he's in the backyard, and you see at the other end of the yard, you just see the, the killer with this drill running at him. And it's like this like weird shot because usually you see in like – in slasher movies, the killer is just there. You know what I mean? You never actually see them – moving from like point a to point b i guess in halloween you see it a little bit with michael sort of but part of what's unsettling is that he doesn't he just walks very assuredly yes this guy is frantic yes and like frenzied and it's almost like like michael myers is like a machine whereas this guy is like how i imagine a man who is actually trying to kill people with a power drill would run you know and he's got like no uniform no. He's wearing like the Canadian tuxedo. Yeah. Like he, he's just he's so boring. Yeah. It's terrifying. Yeah. There's there's no gimmicks. There's no no mask. There's no this, this dude just looks like like one of my check cashing customers. Like he just yeah. looks like a guy. Well, and there there's no backstory though there is like a motivational reveal that like 
of course this is about them being women and about his sexuality and like all that stuff like but but i like that they have that but so there's this moment where you get that about him which you could have could have suspected but they like confirm it yeah but other than that he we don't need to know anything about him you know well, let me, don't give us any info about him let me ask you this do you think that was a conscious effort by the filmmakers to sort of um because you know in like halloween texas chainsaw massacre nightmare on elm street uh friday the 13th all these like classic slasher movies there's always this like personality right or uniform like to a point of almost being a gimmick lack thereof in the case of like michael myers like you have like freddie and jason and and leatherface they all have like there there's something there there's something going on there's something that sets them apart something that makes them stand out from the rest of the cast yeah even like black christmas or yeah. you know that a lot of times there's like a thing and i guess this dude's thing you could guess is the drill but my question is, do you think that was a conscious decision by the filmmakers to sort of take that away from him and make him like this like blank slate like female characters so often are in horror films? So they, 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 they take the male villain and they just make him this boring archetype every guy. Yeah. Instead of like usually in these movies where it's like, you know, you got like the cheerleader who's like, oh, like my boobies fell out and then she gets killed and she has like no personality. Do you think that was like a conscious effort to sort of flip the script and make the killer this boring Every man. I think so. I mean, here's the thing. It's hard to surmise as to intention, but I can definitely speak as to effect. Like, okay, so let me say I've read a little bit about the movie. Maybe I didn't do as much research as I would like, but I've read enough to, to get the feeling that, like, uh, I don't know that the filmmakers, as I sort of suggested before, I don't know that they are they were completely happy with how the film turned out. Or, or maybe they wanted it to be even more, I don't know, overtly feminist or overtly a parody or okay. whatever you want to say. That's just acknowledging some stuff I've read. I, I don't have a, I haven't gotten, I haven't watched an interview or anything with them specifically. Okay. So that's maybe speculative a little bit too. Um, but I will say that that still seems to be present for me. And part of the effect of this is that the women in the movie are interesting. Even the ones I don't like. Like, I don't love this whole group of friends. There's a one girl who's kind of awful. Which one's that? Uh, the one with the awful boyfriend. Oh, yeah. She's the one who's like, they, they listen to on the phone, and, you know, when she's like talking about her sex life and they're like laughing at her. She literally is like, do you think I'm getting better? And oh. they just fucking lose it. That was a golden moment, by the way. Um, uh... All of the female characters have all of the personality in this movie. Yeah. And we see them as, oh, and we were talking about how the one character kind of sucks, but at least she's a character. She's a character. Yes. She's a fully formed character. Each of these young women is, and we see them partying and having fun, and eventually we see them fighting back. Yeah, and they're led by, there's like a, there's, the, there's this one girl, she's like the new girl, Valerie. And yeah. Trish, who's party, she's like, maybe we should invite Valerie. And then the one girl who's like a bit of a B-I-T-C-H is like, why did I spell that out? I've said so much vile shit on this show, and I'm like, I can't say bitch. I don't, I, oh, I don't like that. I don't like that word. Okay, neither do I. That's, I think maybe that's why I spelled it out. Yeah, it's, it's, it makes me uncomfortable. It's so weird, because I've said such fucked up things yeah. to people, but like, um... I know in, you know, we're both children of the 80s slash 90s. Yes. And supposedly there was this time where everybody was okay with saying 
certain things. Yes. So um, that word, the hard F. Uh, even even when I was a kid, the see you next Tuesday. I don't er, like that word either. Er, no, and uh, uh, um, even even when I was a kid, everyone was saying um, retard. I don't like that either. No, and I was, but I was brought up not to like these things. Yeah, like like I I guess that's the thing is that my mom would be more upset with me saying something like that than if I was like, fuck. She'd be like, come on. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, let's not, you know. Uh, although, to be fair, she also raised me not to um, take the Lord's name in vain, though uh, not because she's religious, but because she thinks religious people are very annoying. So she would be like, don't don't say God damn it in public because you might offend someone who might be really... Not fun to deal with. I kind of so. like your mom. That's I kind of like your was, mom now. That was her thing. But to be fair, I that's the one that didn't stick. Like, So I still feel uncomfortable. If I were to say any of those other things, I would feel uncomfortable. But I will be like, Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah. And like it, it just rolls off my... And I'm the one who has a seminary degree. Yeah. Whatever. Let us backtrack then and say she's being an asshole. The point is, is that she sucks. She's terrible. But she's not um, that bad. She's just... Yeah. Compared to the other women she's to mean. me she sucks because yeah. she's mean but she's actually to for for a movie that isn't again she's a character but the movie's not deep i guess this is the this is the interesting situation i find myself in with this movie is that as soon as you say that this movie could be seen as having feminist underpinnings yeah it sounds like you're describing something that the movie isn't okay so 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 to put it another way it's still a horror movie. Yeah. It's not a touching drama that gets scary sometimes. Yeah. It's not like a character study. It's a, it's a fucking... It's a goofy 80s slasher pick. And like, let's be crass again. It's a fucking tits and ass slasher pick. Like, they are unafraid to be like, nudity. <laughs> <laughs> but, but like, I legitimately feel like the way that they show the nudity is, is, um, for those of you who are willing to think this way, you start to go, are they making fun of us? Like, like the sh- the shower scene. It almost feels like they're like, oh, "Is this what you want? You want to see? You want this butt for no reason? We're just yeah. gonna show you this butt. Here just hang out with the butt for a while, just on the butt." And you start to be like, "This isn't even hot." Yeah, like, what was going on right now? And I, and and I I'm inclined to think that that might be on purpose. That like they're just really like really pushing this whole like. Well, I think- oh, is this what the movie's supposed to be? The movie's supposed to be like hot and then deadly okay cool we'll do well that. i think a lot of these 80s movies led us to believe that slumber parties were nothing but marathon sex parties between women where in reality like women just hanging out and changing their clothes isn't particularly sexy and i think that's what this movie got at was like when it shows like the, the some of these there's no like um there's no weird lingering you know camera shots of, of 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 the of these actresses when they're uh sans clothing so to speak so i i i don't think it's i i don't think it really tries to play up the it it doesn't try to inject sex into these um sexless situations i guess like the, the like i said the slumber parties were not these orgies that i was led to believe when i was when i was younger and that's what this movie it's just it's literally these these girls hanging out, eating, fucking with their friends, and getting high. And I don't know, I think there's something like really uh really awesome about 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 portraying like a uh 
a high school girl's party like that because it's exactly what like guys would do. And there's the one scene um, where uh, the character Valerie has a younger sister, Courtney, and I think Courtney is actually the main character in Slumber Party Massacre 2, where Valerie catches Courtney reading a Playgirl, not just any play- Playgirl, but the Sylvester Stallone edition. And it's, you know, usually like in these movies, it would be like, you know, a character would catch his younger brother looking at porno. But instead, now it kind of flips the scripts and she's looking at a, at, at a Playgirl. And I, I just, I mean, it wasn't this huge feminist moment in this movie, but I thought it was like a nice little touch. That they were like, oh no, girls do this, girls act pretty much exactly like boys do. It's not this secret, mysterious sex party that everyone thinks it is. Yeah, and one of the things I, I um, read a little bit about, and I, I think this is true, is all the ways that the movie has people looking, you know? So um, one of the things uh, is not just how we are looking at these girls, but how like the boys are trying to like watch them. And it's so creepy. It compares the boys to the kill. Like in a way, the movie kind of suggests like, okay, the boys don't have a drill, but are they that different really than the killer? Like yeah. that they have the same habits. But then Trish, uh, or or uh, not Trish? The who's the the girl who they met? Valerie. Valerie. She's the also, badass. She's also watching. She watches from her house. Like she keeps looking out the window at them. She yeah. wants to see what's going on. Um, she even watches a horror movie that has like stuff. So I think there's this idea of like what is going on with the gays. Uh, I guess you the the feminist way to put this is the the movie deconstructs the male gaze. You know, this is a very intense way of saying the movie just wants you to ask questions about watching. Yeah, about why you're watching, why um, the various men are watching in various ways, um, and why Valerie is watching, and what all these gazes have in common and have separately, and what we see and what we don't see. So, like a great example about gaze. We, we, it's easy to focus on the voyeuristic aspect when I say gaze, yeah. but it's also about what we don't see. So sometimes we don't see what's really going on. Like they don't see the woman being murdered in the van. They okay. just don't see it. Yeah, they, just, they, they literally have their backs turned. Yeah, they just don't see it. Or uh, the the you know various. Uh, at one point, they walk past it like trash, and there's a dead body. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they they just don't see exactly what's going on. And I think that theme of seeing. Again, not that the movie's academic. I don't want to uh, create some sort of thing like, oh, there's this deep feminist text. But I think in asking these questions about seeing in the context of a movie, it is inevitably, at least in this context, going to lead you to think about feminist issues because it's about who we see, why we see them, and maybe why we don't see them as well. Um, And I like that. And... I think you can get there not by like overthinking the movie, but just thinking a little bit about what's going on and and about the ways that the movie shows you these things. But I, I think that's one of the themes in a lot of films that we don't always engage with anymore. But used to be the thing is this idea of seeing, like you're watching something. Why are you watching it? And who else is watching what at the same time? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I didn't even think about till right now, like literally ten seconds ago. That the woman who was killed, um, as the two boys are walking away, is like the the, te- the the telephone repair person, and they're like, "Oh my god, can you come over to my place and fix my phone? Because my phone's broken." And she's like, "Oh, sorry, but you're a little bit too young for me." And they're like, "Oh, come on, baby, I like older women." And as soon as it's clear that she's not interested, they walk away, and she's no longer 
of interest in them and then uh, and then right. she's fucking murdered while they're walking away and they're just like ah fuck i mean they're not yeah. like fucking because they don't but it, it, it's interesting it, i didn't even really think about that that it's like they see her as a, sep- a sex object and as soon as she can't be that they literally don't see her anymore even as she's being killed yeah i didn't even yeah. think about that like yeah and uh, here's the other thing that i think is interesting too with uh that i hadn't really thought about but um when you were talking about it right now, it's interesting that the one group, what we really have here is there's the group of girls who are like the classic slumber party victims. Yeah. And we see them nude. and We never see Valerie nude. No. But she has her own objectifying thing. She's the one who's reading the playgirl. Her sister is. But she also, I mean. Oh, yes, yes. It's also, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's her playgirl. You know what I mean? Um, She, uh, they all get involved with killing this killer you know like getting the killer but she really takes him out she leads the charge yeah massive foul like, she wins because her phallic object is more phallic than his basically yeah. um <laughs> so there's this whole idea of like uh her sort of taking on a little bit i think of like a like almost like a male identity you know she's the tough one yeah you know what i mean like they um did you ever see them we watched it together the movie final girl mm-hmm. like they actually parody that they're like and then they're like oh who's that they're like oh she's like the badass like the the athletic girl who i think gets killed like immediately when they, you know they flip the script on it but yeah there is the archetype of of the the outsider who is sort of um cast in a more uh i, I don't want to say masculine light but for lack of a better term i guess she gets she gets the 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 um she gets the attributes that are that 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 are typically seen as more masculine like she's not bubbly she's not giggly she's not like i mean she's a pretty girl but she's not particularly sexy like i mean i know i said earlier how they don't present these girls as these like sex goddesses but they're right. still wearing like somewhat you know they got like the basketball jerseys with their little panties i think that yeah i think they there is there is a way of showing them that is vaguely objectifying but it's done it's within, within reason context yeah, yeah, yeah you know what i mean it's within it's it's sleepwear but but uh valerie is is not presented in that way at all like uh and i, th- I think that's that's kind of telling that they, they i mean ch- i think you could argue that she's kind of the heroine of the movie even though trish you know stands up on her own and does whatever See, that's, that's one thing that we're, i wasn't sure about was who was who was the final girl in this movie was it Trish or was it Valerie? I really think it's Valerie. I really yeah. think I really think the idea seems to be that um, the way that Valerie functions is sort of like this hero who steps in and 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 it doesn't take agency away from the other girls. They're really sort of fighting on their own. But Valerie is sort of this um, in the middle figure. I yes, mean, yes. At a certain point, Trish is like maybe Valerie and this guy are in cahoots because yes. Valerie like yes. walks through the house. Like basically, what happens is. <clears throat> Valerie is watching her little sister. That's her sort of excuse not to go to the party, basically. Um, and you kind of get the feeling her sister knows that that's bullshit. Yeah. So at some point, her sister goes over there. And Valerie goes to intercede. And through a variety of methods or uh, situations, while the killer is inside stalking the other girls, Valerie and her sister are able to just walk in and out. Yeah. There's really a sense in which they could have just left and just moved on with their lives. Yeah, and yeah. everything would have been fine. And they only get caught up because they finally see, again, the theme of seeing, see one of the young women is in the fridge. Yeah. 
That's a great scene. And the whole thing is like they're trying to decide if they're going to steal food. Are we going to steal food? Are we not going to steal? Yeah. It's kind of tacky if we steal beer. You're underage. You shouldn't steal beer. <laughs> I just really want to steal a beer. And this whole thing is around whether they're going to steal this beer or not. They could have just walked away safely. And then from there, they have all this. And, and the little sister has a certain amount of agency. Like from that moment on, there's a little bit more of a of a momentum to like take care of this dude. Yes. Um. But yeah, there's just something to her grabbing that giant fucking machete. Which is great, because also there's a scene when they're, you know, when you talk about like phallic symbols, there's a scene, uh, earlier I'd spoken about how they, they devise this plan, or like, all right, you're, they, they take the two guys and are like, we don't have access to a phone. Yeah. So you're going to run out the front door, and you're going to run out the back door, and you're just going to, he can only go after one of you, so good luck. And they're like, well, what are we supposed to defend ourselves with? And she's like, this. And then she hands him a knife. She gives him the phallic symbol. It's just, it's a right. it's a very small knife, but she has sort of like remasculated him. Like, oh, like you're you're scared. Here, I'm giving this to you. Yeah, yeah. and it's it's a little on the nose. Uh, and I think you even said you're like, oh yes, take this phallic symbol to defend yourself. Like, yeah. and then so you're like, okay, cool. Like these guys have these knives that they're going to defend themselves with against this guy with a bigger knife. And then here comes Valerie, like a fucking Valkyrie with the biggest phallic symbol, yeah. which is a machete and clips his, uh, just cuts, cut, cuts his, his, his puny, his puny phallic symbol in half. Oh my gosh. This fucking movie. <laughs> I really liked it. It's really great. And, and so uh, in other words, I, I think, um, part of what we're pointing at here is that there is like an underlying, I think, uh, fun satire slash parody thing going on but it's not obvious it's yeah. not a movie that only functions it's not like a message movie yeah where it's like there's nothing to you can't enjoy this movie unless you're on board with the message yeah personally i think if you made it through this whole movie and you didn't get the sense that there was something more going on then it feels to me like maybe you weren't totally paying attention yeah but but you could, though. like, it's not impossible. The movie doesn't like, and and sometimes if a movie is sort of like pushing something, it can undercut itself and become yes. less entertaining. And this movie's never less entertaining. That's the other thing about it that I think is worth mentioning is not just all this feminist undercurrent, but then it's such a well-made, well-edited, well-shot slasher mm-hmm. movie that it functions really well. It. It has momentum. It goes in interesting ways. There's some really cool shots that I would not have predicted. Like no, there was a, there, it's really great. There was a lot of shots in here that reminded me of something like like an Argento film or something, right? Because right. it takes place at night, and there's a lot of scenes in the backyard where it's like that weird, like I I I, I can't quite place it, like the ET backyard. You know what I mean? Like right. the, you're in a neighborhood, but your backyard is still like a like a wilderness. Yeah, and there's all these shots where like there's like there's these these like these girls' faces that are uh, obscured by the trees, and it's like shadow and light vying for dominance. And there's like I don't know, it's just a lot of like really and and the, the shot where the guy where the killer is running at the one male uh, Neil, I believe his name is, he's like running and he's like passing through areas of light and shadow, and it's like I mean it's not like a fucking striking work of cinematography, but it is like you wouldn't see that in like a normal. It's a, film. Well, and it's effective. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. 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 It, it works really well, and um, and I think that's in the end what makes it such a compelling film is that it works really well as a slasher film, and there's stuff in there that you're like, oh, I see what's going yeah, yeah, on yeah. here. 
It's like a top-notch slasher film with a little icing on top. <laughs> yeah. I really found, I don't know about you, but um, there's a scene towards the end where uh, two of the uh, young women who are still alive are hiding in um, Trish's room. Yes. And they've barricaded the door. And they're talking to each other. And he comes in through the window. Through the window behind them. That was so good. That was like Michael Myers sitting up level terrifying. Yeah. Like, and it was so drawn out. And like, there was no, like, if I don't mean to be, and I never do this, I don't mean to be like, well, back in the day, like, modern hall movies are shit. If they made that movie today, there would be some dumb musical cue. Right. You know what I mean? That would like, instead of you discovering it on your own and being like, oh, how long was that happening before I noticed that? As soon as he walked in the window, there would have been like a, Dun. Like something that would just make you look like what the fuck, Wee. yeah, or something dumb like that. Yeah. Um, which I mean, John Carpenter's guilty of too, so I can't really yeah, say like. True, true, true. But um, no, I mean it was and it, it, like I remember we were watching it. I was like, oh fuck, he's coming through the window, be-, and he's like creeps in, and I mean it gets kind of silly because then like he's like standing above and, and they're both they have the, they they have this moment of like, like and they both like look up slowly and then they scream and it's that sort of cheesy but like the buildup when he creeps in the window and he's like walking towards him is like holy shit that's good. But I kind of like those moments. There's a couple of cheesy moments in this movie that I really found endearing because I think they are supposed to be funny. I think they're like witty funny. funny Yeah, yeah. And I feel like that scene, like setting it up actually scary, but then de-escalating it with them being like, wait a minute. Yeah. Him being there because there's something funny. I don't know. Something about that made me laugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, all right. I I was still into it. So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I I know... um, that you're not a big uh, slasher person, but I felt like we both really enjoyed this movie a lot, and I would highly recommend it. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely better than Creepazoids and Inseminoids. Oh my gosh! And like I said, I, I I'm not I'm not going to say that the movie is some sort of like deep feminist text, but I do think there's more going on there, and that in and of itself, among especially among slasher movies, that in and of itself is pretty interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, that was uh, Slumber Party Massacre. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about Liam's favorite movie of all time. 1987's Blood Diner. Blood Diner. We'll be right back. Ah, hello, fellow food lovers. I'm Phil Mignon, world-famous gourmet. In my travels, I've sampled some of the most exquisite foods the world has to offer. That's why they've asked me to tell you all about a charming new eatery located right downtown. As um, you can see, the atmosphere is lovely. But, of course, the uh, finest attribute of this quaint cafe is the marvelous cuisine. I'd give my right arm for that secret recipe. Uh, Yes, the chef puts a bit of himself into every succulent dish. Oh, and he's always pleased to serve you to your friends. Uh, shouldn't that be serve you and your friends? Uh, no. Uh, your gracious hostess will direct you to your table. Where you will dine as if there's no tomorrow. So, breeze on down and don't let anything stand in your way. Oh, 
uh, this Epicurean haven is called Blood Diner. You got that right, homo. So, this is Phil Mignon. Ah, saying bon appetit. Oh, mommy. The Blood Diner. First they greet you, then they eat you. No one under 17 admitted. And we are back to talk about 1987's Blood Diner, a.k.a. the Diner of Blood, a.k.a. the Diner where there's blood, a.k.a. Blood in the Diner. Uh, For those of you listening to this on the podcast, Justin just did that for some fucking internet bullshit, I guess, Instagram or some shit. It's an Instagram story. I'm trying to interact with people more, okay? Let me alone. (laughs) It was watching you do that was like one of the worst things I've ever adored in my life. You've had a great fucking life if that was one of the worst things you've ever endured. Well, you, you didn't see yourself. It was really painful. I saw myself. I was looking in the camera at myself. From here, it was terrible. Okay. Anyway, so, Blood Diner. Released on July 10th, 1987. Written by Michael Sonier, a.k.a. Dookie Flyswatter. Yes, Dookie Flyswatter. Directed by Jackie Kong. Starring Rick Burke, Carl Crew, who was in The Secret Life of Jeffrey Dahmer. He played Jeffrey Dahmer, like... I think that movie came out like six months after Jeffrey Dahmer got called, so yeah. ooh. Yeah. Um, Roger Denver, Lynetta LaFrance, and Drew Gadaris as Uncle Anwar. Uncle, Uncle Anwar. Anwar. So the plot of this movie is, this has a pretty cool beginning. Um, this movie opens up with these two kids. They're playing, they're cooking, blah, blah, blah. They're playing, cooking with fucking Play-Doh, and we get the... Your 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 stereotypical over the radio. There's an escaped murderer. You know, Amwar Tupman. <laughs> Amwar Tupman. He's or, or Nam Nam Tut. Nam Tut. <laughs> this fucking movie. <laughs> Amwar Nam Tut. He's a serial killer. He's escaped. And then you know you're like, oh shit. And then there's like the point of view shot of him going up the stairs to this house. And there's these two little kids in there. And the door bursts open. And you're like, oh shit. And they're like, oh Uncle Amwar. And he's like, hey kids. And he's this serial killer, and he's here to visit his his nephews, Michael and George. Um, the cops shoot him, they kill him, as cops are wont to do. And then, um, you know, we flash forward like what twenty years, and Michael and George are digging up their beloved uncle. They put his brain in a jar where it can talk to them, and uh, it commands them to. Uh, kill women and sew the body parts together so it can resurrect so they can resurrect the Lumerian goddess Sheetar and help take over the world. So what I that's what I gathered. And then hilarity ensues and uh that's the movie. Here's the deal, y'all. Blood Diner was conceived as a sequel to Blood Feast. So yes. if you're familiar with Blood Feast, there's the same Egyptian things, although for them it's Ishtar um, and, and what I find interesting about this movie in a lot of ways is that if you are familiar with Blood Feast, this movie plays off of that. This movie, there is not an Egyptian goddess in this movie. This movie took a fictionalized setting, Lemuria. No, no, no. But this is what I'm telling you. All the, the they they talk about Egypt and Egyptian stuff in the movie. Yeah. They the 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 goddesses Sheetar. Whereas the goddess in Blood Feast is Ishtar. That's a goddess they made up for the Sheetar. No, but, but you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Here? I don't think you are. 
they did make up Sheetar, but they didn't make up Sheetar from nothing. They said, okay, we've decided that even though we can make this sequel to Blood Feast, we're not going to have it be a sequel to Blood Feast. We're going to make a different movie. Okay. But we're going to leave in all these references to Blood Feast. So Sheetar is supposed to be Ishtar. a winking reference to Ishtar. Even the way... Uh, see, here's the deal. This part isn't clicking for you. And you don't need it for the movie to work. But it's not clicking for you because you've never seen Blood Feast. No, I haven't. The ending of Blood Feast is eerily similar to the beginning of this movie. Okay. And it, it was made at the time period where this movie begins. Okay. So you, anyone watching this movie might not get that, but if you are a fan of Blood Feast, you kind of get immediately like, oh, I get it. This is the end. The, basically, okay. they're like, this is how it is. And because it wasn't public knowledge, I think when this movie came out that it had been originally intended to be a sequel to Blood Feast, I think people saw that and thought, oh, that's funny. That's a funny little wink in reference, not realizing, like, it's because when they first wrote the script, it was a literal sequel to yeah, Blood yeah, Feast. Yeah. And then they go, well, I guess we could change it. And they cha- they ended up changing it to not be that. Uh, and I think in the making of the I watched, the writer sort of takes credit for it not being that. But then in the thing that we watched with Jackie Kong, she kind of took credit for it not being a I'm sequel to Blood to believe, Feast. I'm inclined to believe Jackie Kong over him. Some dude with fake... I'm not going to say his fucking name. With, with fake fucking vampire teeth. The guy who got into social distortion at the age of 30 and decided he was a fucking punk. <sighs> Here's the deal. So, okay, so that's part of what's going on here. But the movie is also, like, clearly, to me, has a ridiculous sense of humor, which... A sequel to Blood Feast would not have a sense of humor. Blood Feast is not. Blood Feast is funny in a not laughing with the movie kind of way. No, just just for my sake and for listener's sake, Blood Feast, directed by Herschel Gordon Lewis. Yep. Okay. Um, uh, similar themes of cannibalism and cult okay. stuff like this movie, uh, but it's played serious. As serious as a Horshaw Gordon Lewis movie can be. <laughs> so Jackie Kong, on the other hand, this is a movie that is um, a fucking SNL sketch almost version of like a horror movie. Like, yes. Just over the top in every way, shape, or form. Um, there's a moment where uh, a woman who's been picked up at a club uh, by these two attractive young men. Uh, her head is battered and then fried into a hush puppy. And then she has a big fried ball around her head and then it's knocked off of her body. Now, here's the thing. What's crazy to me about that scene, the frying her head into the ball doesn't seem to kill her. Yeah. But then when you hit it, I guess because it's now fried, it just comes off and now she's dead. Yeah. Doesn't make any sense. And why does he batter the rest of her body? He was never going to get her whole body into it's that not fryer. Important. It's, <laughs> but but you, in other words, the movie is um, beyond tongue in cheek. It is a ludicrous, over the top laugh factory in my mind. It, I spent a lot of this movie giggling, and uh, from when I first saw it, and it is a movie for me because of its low budget and sort of the goofiness of it. I just associate it with like late night USA. Or Cinemax. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if you're younger, I know we have some younger listeners, maybe this doesn't click for you, but if you're my age, there's just a certain kind of movie that came on cable late at night, and you just be like, what the fuck is Blood Diner? What is this shit? And you're watching it, and then the movie itself, 
you know, it's made in LA in the late eighties. There's all kinds of punks and rockabilly people in this movie. Um, a lot of the extras were just people that were just around in the scene, so to speak. Yeah. And it has like musical sequences that don't make any sense. I don't know. Okay. So I pushed for this movie because I've loved this movie since I was a kid. Uh, you're new to this movie. Yes. What did you think? Describe the experience of seeing this okay. movie for our listeners. So at first, I I have to admit, at first, like the goofiness of it was kind of getting under my skin in a bad way. Um, like I even said while we were watching this, the, there's so many moments in this where the ADR is terrible. Like it, it's just a little how it's like you know there's like a there's like one there's this one scene where the, where the two brothers because the two brothers they run a vegetarian restaurant and the joke is that they're serving people human flesh. And there's this one like trucker who's in there. He's like, "This is the best veggie burger I've ever had in like seven states." And the, they have this ADR. First off, they have his voice like badly dubbed in, and then they have a track on top of that of just random disgusting noises, like him like while he's talking, he's going and like burping, and it's just like shit like that just fucking gets me. I I don't like stuff like that. It just annoys the fuck out of me. Um, and the other thing. You know, before I go on to say what I liked about this movie, the other thing that I was sort of like, I, I don't know how I feel about this was the, uh, you know, I, I get that blood blood feast was about like an Egyptian goddess, but this movie sort of at times was just like, yeah, we got this like we're gonna we're gonna make this parody of like some sort of like Middle Eastern Persian religion, and you know, ah, eh, Shitar five million years ago, it just seemed like typically eighties, not problematic because it wasn't quite problematic, but sort of like. I don't know, like, just not even insensitive. It was just enough for me to be like, all right, I get it. Like, ancient religions, you know, you're just going to make a parody of a, of some culture you don't understand. But what I did like about it was the fact that one of the characters is a brain in a jar with eyeballs that spends most of the movie berating his nephews, who adore him, and he's constantly like... You fucking assholes are gonna mess everything up. Shita's never gonna come back because of you. And I'm like, we're sorry. Like, they're like worried that this brain in a jar is gonna like discipline them somehow. And I just thought there was something like oddly endearing about how they're like, they're like terrified of Uncle Anwar and worried about him. But at the same time, he, he's just constantly just like, you can't do anything right. And the whole time it's just like pissed at him. Um, I also, we, 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 we were talking about this before we started recording. I also like that all of the like, musical sequences in this movie are so fucking nonsensical and almost dreamlike in how insane they are that it, it, it sort of, it works. Like there's a lot of like Nazi imagery in this movie as well. I, I described it as like a Frank Miller comic. Like there's just like random swastikas. No, there's just that one scene. Uh, there's also a, a, a wrestler named Jimmy Hitler. Oh, that's true. So, there, okay. So there's a, <laughs> there's a wrestler named Jimmy Hitler. Okay. So, uh, Oh man. Uh, let's pull back a little bit here. The the two brothers. I mean, first of all, what I love about the two brothers is that they are basically attractive, charming dudes. Except for the one dude clearly has brain damage of some kind. Like he's just like not quite all there. But he's the other brother is like hot and charming, and he's yeah. attractive. He just if you had a conversation with him, you'd be like, "What is this wrong guy's with a this fucking person? slug?" But when they're cooking, he likes to watch wrestling while they're cooking. And yeah. in fact, there's a couple of ridiculous scenes where he enacts wrestling moves on our fat friend who loves vegetarian food so much, and he ends up puking on guests, which no one cares about, by the but, way. Yeah, people are like, people there, 
people getting puked on are pissed off. Everyone else thinks it's fucking hilarious. Right. Like if I went to a diner and someone and and the restaurant owner, the chef choked a patron to the point of vomiting, yeah. I'd be like, what the fuck? Like, but but doesn't in some ways, um, we were talking about this too. But okay, so he's watching wrestling, and then the wrestler he doesn't like is a heel named Jimmy Hitler. Yeah, which again, if you've watched enough wrestling, that's believable. They wouldn't say uh, Hitler. Uh, I'm going to go with definitely believable with the offensive level of the Iron Sheik, of the Sheik, mm. of uh, some of the Russian characters. I'm saying yeah, yeah, yeah. there's a line, though, and I, I, I don't even think Vince McMahon. In, 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 even in Glow, the, they had two Nazi women in Glow. Did they? Yes. Who are you? Get out of here. I can't believe you don't even know that. Don't tell Chris Reject that I am not up on my professional wrestling history. No, I mean, okay, there was never an uh, uh, there was never a big time TV level guy who called himself Jimmy Hitler. However, the idea that like um be in this parody world where everything is being parodied. Yeah. You know, a heel would be someone named Jimmy Hitler. Like, there, there's a logic to that that actually really works for me in yeah, a very yeah. obvious way. Like, of course he's named Jimmy Hitler. No, in the movie it makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah I just, yeah, yeah. I, I just don't see like, um, I, I, I don't know. I, the, I, the Southern Bells in Glow used to wear hoods. Uh, That's what I'm saying, bro. And their first match was against the only other, the only two black women. Who are like the the down the down hose or something like that? Anyways, not to get too sidetracked, but isn't it a little scary to you? Like if they did that, I wouldn't know who wrestling fans would root for. <sighs> the point is, is that um, th- in some ways, this movie is like a crazy pastiche of weird eighties shit. Like, like give it like what? Like what? okay, uh, vegetarianism. Yes, which is like, insane. As like an LA fad. Yeah, and they eat vegetables. Come on, shut up. Uh, vegetarianism, punk rock slash rockabilly slash new wave, uh, drugs, <laughs> um, <laughs> cults of various kinds, yes. nude aerobics. Though to be fair, apparently they invented it. So this is what's crazy. There's nude aerobics now in the movie. The nude aerobics I thought was to mock nude aerobics, which yeah. is a real thing. But they wrote that just to mock aerobics. Then found out later that a company saw them do it. And freely admitted they stole that idea. I don't know if I believe that. Yo, I don't know. All I'm saying is there is definitely nude aerobics in the world. I've seen the videos. I mean, I haven't watched the videos, but I've seen them on the shelf, and I know they exist. Okay. My friend used to work at a video store that, like, was one of those where it was a very small video store. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's because you had to go through a door to see the rest of the video store. Ah, I know about that. So he worked there, and I, I I would always go in and talk to him, and it took me forever to figure out, like, man, why is this video store so small? It was because I never looked around the wall, but then I would see people go through the door, and I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And then the one time I went up behind the counter to get something from him, I realized there was a whole other store behind the wall. Like an adult just, section? Yeah, the whole thing was really just the, no one ever took a movie from the front, and I just didn't know oh, that, that was Oh, it was a true. front for pornography. Yeah, but all the movies in the front section, also sexy. Interesting. And a chunk of them were various kinds of nude aerobics. Interesting. And I remember asking the first time I went in there, I'm like, who runs these nude aerobics videos? And he said, nobody. And I didn't realize, I thought he meant nobody went to his store, but he meant no one comes for those videos. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, so anyways, all, uh, there's that. There's um, 
Hey, I love you. Oh, well, do you want some of mine? No, no, I've got one. Okay. Um, uh, what were we saying? Oh, the yeah, aerobics. so pastiche of random 80s stuff. So the aerobics thing. Um, uh, I forgot the rest of it. I totally lost my train of thought. Uh, cults, vegetarianism, drugs, punks yep. and new wavers. Yep. Neuterobics. Yep. And... Dangly earrings. Dangly earrings. <laughs> Cops with just obscene Figaro chains. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean... Liam is currently eating the grossest hot dog I've ever seen in my life. It's an Italian sausage. Whatever it is, it's disgusting. Um, Even the way the cops are written, to me, makes fun of cop shows. Oh, absolutely. Oh, there's the angry chief. I don't care what the fuck you do. Then there's the sleazy detective. Yeah, that detective. And then his hard-nosed black partner. Who he's constantly trying to fuck, and he's, like, ogling and, like, But she, like, does not want him to live, let alone to have sex with him. Yes. Um, there's just so many ridiculous moments. Okay. At one point, um, the... Bro- so what are the brothers' names again? Uh, that would be Michael and... Michael and George Tupman. So I think George is going to murder someone, right? Yes. And on the way, he just sees a biker, a fat biker. Who I think is the fat guy from the fucking restaurant. It might be the same actor, but the, <laughs> it, what he's supposed to be it's is... definitely a different character. There's a local biker gang who are vegetarians. Yeah. So they're like... And the local biker gang who are vegetarians are called the cannibals. And so he sees rocker. one of these fucking cannibals, and he's like, well, I guess I'll just run him over. Runs him over, keeps going, looks back. Ah, oh, shit, he's still alive. Let me back it up. Runs him over again. Oh, he's still alive. This joke plays out for six minutes. Yeah, if you go on YouTube and you do it, like a Google search for Blood Diner and you look up videos, because I was like trying to find trailers for it, yeah. there is one trailer. And then, like, six different versions of that scene. Well, okay, the reason it is, this might sound, if you haven't seen it, you might think, well, this sounds like a dumb gag. The actor's face, every time he runs this guy over, the look of joy, as he just absolutely is like, I do, but do, but do, but do, he fucking sells this scene. It's so beautiful. It's so funny. And it's only because of his performance. And I would say, there's a few things like that in this movie, where... The ridiculousness of the performance sells what otherwise might be bad writing. Yes. Like, eventually, the same brother, he decides he's going to wrestle. He goes to wrestle Jimmy Hitler. He's getting his ass kicked, which uh, we found out was not in the script. He no. was supposed to win, and he's just getting beat up. And then there's a scene where he like just bites him. And that only works because of that actor. And then the, the other actor's like, yeah, George, good work. Like it doesn't bother him at it's, all. It's nuts how like how like these guys and they're not good actors. They're just intense actors. Like they really fucking lean into the, uh, you know, in, 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 into these performances. Um, and I think that does lend it a certain charm. Sure, because well, the movie at no point. The thing with a movie this ridiculous would be if it wants you to take it seriously. Yeah. So like. Okay, let's talk about a movie we were talking about earlier. Demon Wind, besides being not entertaining, the other thing it's doing is it wants you to take it seriously. Yes. Now, a lot of times I prefer that to say, like, uh, Mother's Day. Okay. 
what I don't like about a movie like Mother's Day is that it's ridiculous and dumb, but it also wants to be serious at the same time. Okay. What I like about Demon Wind is that even though it is ridiculous and dumb, it's trying to be serious really hard. It's very sincere. Yeah. Blood Diner at no point is like, no, guys, this is a real ass scary movie. Yeah. It's like, we're having a good time. Oh, yeah. Either get on board and have a good time with us Turn or the like off. watch a different movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I literally don't care. Like, oh, does it bum you out that like the, the, I mean, let's also talk about this a little bit when we haven't touched on it yet. Talking about unexpected feminist things going on. And that, that's what I wanted to talk about next. So this is a good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So one of the things this movie, it, it is crass. It's funny. It is very much envelope pushing, but. It has interesting themes. So, for example, Uncle Anwar, the brain in a jar, and our two brothers are fucking monsters. They're monsters. And they're specifically cast as attractive people. Jackie Hunk straight up said in the interview because it's like, well, if they were creeps, it wouldn't be believable. Like, yeah, yeah. A lot of times fucking monsters are like attractive humans that's how they trick people into doing what they want them to do yeah and even more so in this movie um the great irony of the film is they are abusing and demeaning and violating women in order to build a goddess yes then they build the goddess and the goddess is a giant woman with a fucking Vagina mouth on her Vag- stomach. Vagina dente, I believe, is the Latin yeah, term. I mean, the, in the middle of her stomach is this, you know, toothed vagina, which kills one of them. Uh, yeah, decapitates him. Just eats his head. And then it, she's the only one who escapes. They all die. You know, An- yeah. Anwar has no future. You know, like. <laughs> no, Anwar's in Sheetar's head. They put. An- oh, yeah, they put his brain. Yeah. But she now is going to go out and. According to the stinger of this movie, take vengeance on shitty men. Yeah. It's like they literally work towards their own destruction. It's great. And bring about and that has to be I will I would fucking suck my own toe before I'd believe that that shitty fake tooth having motherfucker who wrote this thing wrote that into the movie. Yeah. This is Jackie being That's like, totally Jackie. I'm taking this script and I'm making it what I want because I'm sure when he was writing these guys, like, treating these women terribly and being like, oh, you need the whatever of a slut, he's like, <laughs> slut. Yeah. And then in the movie itself, you start to be like, well, I mean, what's going on here? Like, what is this about? Like, and in the same way that Slumber Party Massacre makes you think about these things, not indirectly, but it's not the point, this movie, I think, also, you have to really not be paying attention to realize, like, oh... Every male character is a fucking monster. To like, a T, every single male character in this movie is, at best, I would say the 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 only likable male character in this movie is the male is the cop, and even then you're like that guy still fucking sucks. Yeah, but he he's the only character who has an arc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. his redeeming factor is he eventually is nice to the black woman who's always mean to him. He's nice to her for the sake of being nice, not just because he wants to fuck her. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And that's his big arc, and that's what makes him a human. Yeah. Is that he finally is like, you know what? You know, whatever. It relates to her on a human level, basically. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. That is it. Every other male character never has any redemption of any kind. And 
our main characters who are monsters who we're not supposed to be rooting for, it's weird. You're given the satisfaction of their success. They are ultimately successful. Yeah. But the result of their success is actually not what they exactly. predicted. It, they don't get shit. No. They don't get eternal life. They don't get any powers. There's no positive in this for them. They're fucking but, meat for the beast. In but the fucking Sheetar, she gets to go fuck dumb... Bre- uh, I mean, literally, the movie ends with her looking very attractive, uh, except for her teeth, which uh, this dude doesn't care because he's a monster. Yeah. This blonde hair meat boy pulls up in his convertible like, hey, baby, whatever. And says, bef- quote, before I give you my big sausage, what do they call you? And she goes, you can call me Sheetah. And her fucking awesome, like, terrifying teeth. I mean, she doesn't eat the guy. She probably does, because I think he like, drives away. But... Yeah, but you know, I mean, she's gonna fucking eat the dude. I mean, that's a like literally, they've just unleashed a woman who will just go around eating men. Yeah, they've created a, a man eater. It's great. Again, there's something beautiful about these two fucking assholes mm-hmm. who were just they spend this entire movie like objectifying women for whatever reason. You know, not for sex, but for 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 they use they 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 see women as a means to an end. Right. They don't see women as the end of the end of themselves, and it's a terrible way to treat people. They they have this goal. They're being guided by their uncle, who I guess you could say is like they're guiding the guiding male force in their lives. Well, and he's like he's presented in this sort of um, man from another era. Yes, yes. There's there back in a simpler time, and then it shows flashback of women getting slapped around and everything. I mean, there's a specific like I I think I think that something is accomplished in that scene too because when he's remembering the good old days, instead of showing like housewives or other images she jackie chooses to use roughies if if, i don't know if you guys know about this but there was a whole period in pornography i'm sure this still exists i'm saying like it's an old thing but (laughs) but um back in the day there were these things called roughies where it was like mm, pretend but probably not that pretend of like women getting smacked around and treated very poorly and that was like a turn-on for dudes yeah 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 um she could have used anything for because nothing, nothing he says suggests violence against women. No, no, not at all. But when he starts talking about the good old days when things made sense, for her to show those clips is shocking. It it is actually for me in either one of these movies. One of the, I mean, you were saying how, and I think that's probably true. One of the most political moments, I think, overtly political moments of *Summer Party Massacre* is I'm just reading a playgirl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's show these young women that they're sexual and that it's fine that they're looking at these naked men and that's like actually normal. That yeah, yeah. Doing that. In this movie, it's that moment. It's that moment of um, these characters are part of a tradition of violence against women. Yes, and and because you could try to depoliticize. I, I, this sounds crazy, but I've seen it happen in other horror movies. You, they could de- depoliticize all this murder. That this murder isn't about men and women. That it's just, they just need body parts, and they just happen to be female body parts. And it's not about mm. anything in real life. But then this shows, says that this like, thing it definitely says, is. This is what this is about. Yeah. And, and I, again, I guarantee fucking T, Vampire Tooth McGee did not fucking write that into the script. No, that there's was no Jackie. fucking way. Yeah. Uh, so, long story short, I think it's just just so delicious that there's this movie where these 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 assholes worship this monstrous embodiment of women, 
And that's because that's probably how, you know, I mean, it doesn't take much to to extrapolate from that, that that's how they see all women. Right. Is they worship the the, the monstrous feminine, and then they just look down as on, on, on all women as fucking disgusting animals. And then that's what gets them killed. Uh-huh. It's just beautiful. And just a quick side note about, you know, to sort of step back from it, a- aesthetically, um, I couldn't quite place what this reminded me of. Like the idea of cult members putting together a body, like a sort of um, homunculus body. That's not the right term. A golem? I don't know. I don't know. Frankenstein style body. Right. And then to, to sort of summon this like ancient god. I eat that shit up. It's it's our ancient goddess, ancient deity. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, just yeah. amazing. Even if they did fucking you know, it's Lumeria, not Lumeria, whatever. Uh, I just love that. That's it. It's it, it's almost like um, Frank Belknap Long or like uh, Arthur Macon or Lovecraft or something. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, I just, I just really like that about this movie. And then on top of that, you got the you know again, like I said, this idea of these like jerk offs, these womanizing pieces of shit who succeed they create this you know monster and then it consumes them i just think that's delicious like the fact that they're right the fact that they're destroyed and consumed by the very thing they spent their entire lives destroying and consuming yeah it's it's just like like kissing fingers good well and i think that's a little bit of what's going on even with the setup of this vegetarian restaurant where they serve human because um the sort of vegetarianism that's like this is a hip restaurant wherever it has to be seen is like a very much like a performative yeah, yeah. thing. So I think there's a little bit of like, especially in the context of the eighties, there's a little bit of a feeling of like, um, sort of sticking it to that kind of hipster. It's the worst vegetarian food I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. None of it. Looks it's attractive. so boring. It's so it's stupid. So gross. But I mean, um, even, I mean, there's a little bit of a goofiness there too. Like, there is in 1987. There's no hip, cool vegetarian place, and no. there's certainly not the greasy spoon down the street. That's also a vegetarian place with can, a guy. Can we talk who about has the, a puppet that he talks to? Puppet. The fucking puppet was the most terrifying thing in this whole movie. <laughs> I did not that every set. Okay, this is like a greasy spoon style restaurant where it's it's still vegetarian, which I actually kind of like. That, that restaurant is more my type. I'm a fucking raccoon type person who eats basically out of the garbage if it's vegan um but i love the fact that the owner is this like maniac person who is just like he makes vegetarian food and then his constant companion is this nightmarish ventriloquist puppet with this terrifying beaky nose wearing a cowboy hat that sits there and you know what it talks like you know the scene in purple rain in the very beginning yeah, like when Wendy and they're like they're, when Wendy and Lisa are argue, are arguing with Prince, and they're like, "When are you going to let us use some more music?" And he goes, "And the award for best actress goes to." And she's like, "You really hurt people's feelings." And he has a little ventriloquist puppet. He's like, "Don't worry, you don't need it." It's the exact same voice, the weird, yeah. creepy. Yeah, and it's just like, oh my god! And then there's this one scene in the end where like the brothers the tupman brothers like attack him and they're using the puppet as a human shield and he's like <laughs> throwing is he shooting at them or like throwing shit at them i think he's throwing things at and them. the puppet's like you better put me down god damn it you better put me down <laughs> it's so <laughs> fucking creepy that there's this, this puppet that they just they put in the fucking script and I, I forget, like we watch because Jackie Kong addresses that in the in the commentary. Yeah, like she, I think she said like they, they it wasn't in there, and like 
because a little little side note, this movie was shot on a shoestring budget in like yeah. three weeks. Yeah. And I mean, say what you will about the final product, the fact that that Jackie Kong was able to pull off this movie and on the amount of money she did it for and as little time as she did it, that's that's impressive. You know what yeah. I mean? Like she even said like the entire budget for this movie was was comparable to like the um catering budget on on many many big studio big studio productions right so they just decided on the shoestring budget like you know what really spice this scene up if that guy had a fucking puppet right that he just screamed at and screamed back at him and it works yeah i mean it's weird but it only adds i i cannot stress enough how much of this movie honestly feels like a dream right like especially the musical numbers you don't know what's actually happening and it just it feels like a, like a like a weird uh like a fever dream almost and this puppet is is only another aspect of that uh and one of the things that lent this air of weird timelessness was the soundtrack and they talk about right. this is how there's a lot of like doo-wop songs in here yeah. and they mix the doo-wop with like new wave and quote unquote punk yeah. Even though the punk is just more like the butthole surfers than anything else. It's like rockabilly. Yeah, yeah, like weird, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, like um but that 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 scene at the end when when Sheetar wakes up and there's like these because what happens is is like they have to do this ritual where in order to bring Sheetar to earth, they have to ha- they have to have a feast of a virgin. A a blood buffet. A blood buffet. And everyone has to eat human flesh. So they kill these people, and then they hand out like an appetite appetite inducer. Yeah, they tell these people at the club that they're giving them free drugs to hand And they're out. like, oh, cool, fuck it, drugs. Give me more. So all these people are just like chowing this shit down, and it turns them into zombies, which is great. I get, I, 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 it doesn't matter. It's, it's, it's awesome. All of a sudden, these people have like green faces, and they're like, you know, give me flesh. And they're just like eating people. I'm on board with it. And meanwhile, as these people are ripping people apart in the audience, there's a man with a giant fucking pompadour, you know, flanked by women with blue hair, like, dancing, and these fucking dudes dressed as Hitler. The whole band is just dressed like Hitler, playing this, like, doom da doom da doom da doom da doom da doom And it's like... What? Yeah. It's like, you know... And, like, people are, like, ripping people apart in the crowd. And then... Behind this, they summon Sheetar. She wakes up. She's roaring, and they're like, "Cool!" And then Sheetar blows the lead singer's head off with her yep. fucking magic, Explodes his head. just magic electricity, and then proceeds to do that to various people around the audience. And you're watching this, and it's—I it, mean, I, I don't—I don't mean to say it's so bad it's good because I don't think it's actually bad. I think Jackie Kong saw what she could do with this and was just like. Yeah, amps go to eleven. Like we're doing it. Let's just do. Let's it just as do it because, because can, yeah, yeah, and I mean it. It works. It totally fucking works because the ending sequence of this movie where they bring Shitar back in the midst of like a cannibal rockabilly party is. It's worth whatever I didn't like about this movie. It's worth getting past that to see that part. Uh, well, there's nothing I didn't like about this movie. So you know, I mean, here's the thing. I think when you were saying you don't want to say it's so bad it's good because you don't want to say it's bad. I don't want to say it's so bad it's good either, but I think that there's a certain kind of like low budget crankery going yes. on that I just find completely charming. Yeah. There's a I mean I feel like my love for this movie is partly because of how ridiculous it is, partly because of I just find the performances like 
fun and charming yeah, in a yeah, certain yeah. way. And partly just like a nostalgia thing. Like this is, you know, 1987. Uh, I'm eight years old. Uh, I'm definitely crashing at people's houses sometimes, like sleeping over friends' houses or whatever. Uh, or um, I used to babysit uh, for a friend of my mom's and I would watch the cable at his house, you know, when yeah. I was babysitting and um, stuff like this would be on. So it's just, there's a teeny bit of nostalgia of like, yeah, no doubt. Fucking blood diner. Oh man. And, um, and I think all that stuff mixed together with a real sense of like this being a down to earth film. Like this is definitely like a get people to just show up any freaks that we can find, just have them show up and they'll just be in the movie. And it's great. Cause, cause Jackie Kong even said like, there was only like they use the same extras for every scene. Like the same people who are at the wrestling match was the same people who were tearing each other apart, you know, in the end scene. And those were the same people getting thrown up onto the diner. And those are the same, you know, it's the same people they keep, they keep using. And I I think this is a testament to like, not like guerrilla style filmmaking, but I think it's a testament to what you can do if you really want to with a small budget. Right. Uh, And it's also like, I didn't realize that this movie was as like, as renowned as it was. Cause when I put something on Instagram about it, like these are the movies we're watching. And I, there's like a little warning to being like warning, do not attempt the scenes depicted in this movie. are not for the faint of heart, but I posted on, on Instagram and people were like, Oh shit, you're doing blood diner. Like people who I, people who I didn't know were like crazy in the horror movie. Were like, yo, I fucking love that movie. And I'm like, yeah, am I, am I the poser in this situation? Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, so yeah, it, it's, it's, and this movie's actually playing, um, you know, when we wrap this up, I'll give the information on it. Um, I'll, I'll bring it up right now. But in a few – at the end of July at the um, Mahoning Valley Drive-In, they're actually playing this movie as part of their uh, VHS fest. Oh, sure. So this will – I mean, if you um, – Well, that's – I mean, the movie's available on Blu-ray, so yeah. whatever. But I get playing on a VHS because this is a movie that really had a life in video stores. It didn't get distribution – um, I I think it's NC seventeen. Yeah, yeah. So Cause they they want no th- yeah they, they want it to uh didn't they threat they like threatened that it was NC seventeen and Jackie Kong was like I don't care make it NC seventeen like I don't give a fuck we're gonna do it it's that's what it is we're not cutting anything from it like yeah I dare you to make it rated X like I mean and I think the um the thing about this movie is that it has it has such a gripping name and such a cool sort of VHS box art. Yes. That it kind of got a life on its own. And and I think it has a much broader appeal and impact. Um, but I think part of that is because of not just... Um, I think part of that is related to the, the humor of it. There's just something so goofy and fun and also gross in a cool way. Yeah, because it's disgusting, but it's not like... Again, mouth noises on ADR bother me, but this movie, yeah, like shit like that, yeah, that was a good, like, but also there's like, like, it makes me want to like fucking smash the TV, but there's also something I'm like, no, there's, it's fitting, because of course that's the noise that people who are overweight make when, like, you know, like, of course in the 80s, that's what everyone thought, like, truckers sounded like. like. Well, yeah, I mean, also just that level of humor that they're like. This guy's thing is he eats at all the vegetarian restaurants. Yeah. Look at him, no, he's like a big fat guy, not some I mean, it's basically me in ten years, let's be honest. <laughs> um except I would never eat a veggie burger made from actual vegetables, because that shit's disgusting. <laughs> um But 
yeah, it's it's playing July seventh. Uh July seventh at the Mahoney Valley Drive In. Alright. Well I'm glad we got to talk about Blood Diner. That's one of my favorites. Yes, great movie. Um, again, it's not that we're trying to say that it's like a deeply feminist movie per se, but I just think there's that irony of them giving their lives to bring back a woman who will just go around eating men. It's be- again, it's it's something it, about that just really works. For yeah, me. it's definitely uh, and and it's got that classical horror archetype of the 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 tooth vagina. Yeah, which is what every fucking asshole is like secretly afraid of. Right. You know that's why when even today. Guilty. I've never watched Teeth, the movie Teeth, because I'm like I can't oh, handle that. Oh, it's pretty good. I like that. I was like, a lot. I, I, I am. I tell myself it's because I'm like, oh no, that's a little too much for me. And I tell myself that it has nothing to do with like toxic masculinity. But I mean, let's be honest. Maybe it might be that I'm afraid of that. And that's why that movie, like, anytime the movie comes up, people are like, yo, fuck that movie. That movie was fucking dumb. A vagina with teeth in it. That's stupid. And I'm like, it's actually not that dumb. It's yeah, it's terrifying, but it's not like. I don't hate it because it's uh you know shining a mirror on my soul. Although maybe it is, I don't know. But uh yeah, either way, Blood Diner, great movie. Yeah. Hey, thanks for listening. Yeah, we really appreciate it. Uh, so before we go, I again want to thank anyone who has subscribed to our Patreon. We greatly appreciate it. Um, I didn't get to touch upon this before, but um, there's some upcoming events at the Mahoning Drive-In that you guys should check out, including this weekend is the John Carpenter weekend, where they will be showing. On Friday night, and this is all in 35mm, Friday night it is Halloween, Prince of Darkness, and Dark Star. And on Saturday, they're showing Christine in the Mouth of Madness and Vampires. Um, that's at the Mahoney Valley Drive-In. Um, I'll post about it on our Twitter. It's great. I love that place. I love the people who, who work there. It's always a fun time. Uh, if you live within three hours of the Mahoning, Mahoning Drive-In, I cannot emphasize enough how you need to go there at least once. It is something to be experienced. It never gets old. Every single time I go there, I'm just like filled with joy, and I love that place. So I can't, we cannot hype them enough. They are friends of the podcast. We I interviewed interviewed them for Cinepunks uh, last year. Um, you can go to www.cinepunks.com to find that interview and many other great interviews and writing pieces from many of our talented staff there. Um, yeah, you can also check out more episodes of this show at cinepunks.com and some of our other podcasts we have like our flagship podcast, the one that Liam's on, Cinepunks, and Yay. Got Me a Movie, and The Mandate. They just did a very good episode on Solo, and, and they did one on Deadpool I really liked. So they had they did the episode of Solo with hopeful future guest on Hard Business, Chris Striegel. We'll see if that happens. But uh, yeah, thank you for listening. Um, you can find us on Twitter at theharbiz666. You can email us for questions, comments, uh, accusations, threats, recommendations at theharbiz at gmail.com. Um, and like I said, you can go to Cinepunks to find out how to subscribe to our Patreon. Uh, you can find us on iTunes. And if you go on iTunes, be a deer and leave us a good review. Be a sweetie. And then let us know and we'll send you some swag and some flair. Definitely flair. And I don't know if we're going to do an episode, another episode before it. Probably not. But um, if you're in the Philadelphia area and you're listening, you should come hang out with Liam and I at the Exhumed Films Class of 88 on June 9th. Is that June 9th? Yeah, June 9th. Yeah. Um, in West Philly at the uh, International House. Uh, a lot of great movies. The Blob, Maniac Cop, Waxwork. You know, just come hang out with us. Even if you don't want to see the movies, just come say what's up to us. Because we'll be there selling shirts, selling pins giving away stuff just come hang out yeah 
uh, I guess that's pretty much it. Yeah. Rate, review, subscribe, and download, download, download. And um, tell your friends. Until next time, hail Sheetar. Ha, <laughs>